So uh, we are in Acts. Uh, for those visiting, we've been going through the book of Acts together, and as we um, draw closer to the end of the book of Acts, um, the sections of Scripture that we are covering are larger. This week was one of those. Uh, we're going to start in Acts chapter 21, 15, and we'll go all the way through 23, 11. So a huge section that we are covering. And what we're talking about this morning is stories. Um, stories. The book of Acts is itself a story. It's a story about the beginning of the church. Um, more than just a story about the beginning of the church, though, it's God's story of redemption and restoration in and through Jesus. It's that good news of the gospel spreading throughout the world. Those stories of the gospel advancing um, and, and God through Jesus redeeming and restoring broken and fallen people, those stories are not finished. And this story, really the story that started in Acts and even before the book of Acts, but um, these stories continue and they continue with us. God's story of redemption and restoration continues, the story of Acts continues, and we are all a part of that great unfolding story. So um, what, what we are going to see this morning, um, we're going to talk about Paul and what happens in the big picture of the story of Acts, but I, I want us to dig a little bit deeper and, and past that. Um, what stood out to me was as Paul was under arrest um, and, and defending himself, uh, what we see is Paul sharing his story, his own personal story, his testimony, and it should be an encouragement. I, I've, I've prayed this morning, and I, I hope even now that we leave uh, super encouraged as believers. Uh, as much as Paul shares Scripture in the story of Acts, uh, as much as he does that, what he shares is his story. And what's encouraging about that is each one of us has a story, and God wants us to share our story as a part of his story. Your stories need to be told. Uh, so that's where we are going this morning. But let's start um, with Paul's story. Um, and it's sort of the big picture, the story of Paul's arrest in Jerusalem. So last week, um, we left off with, with Paul um, about to head to Jerusalem. Um, Paul knew that the Jews would seek to harm him. Uh, the Holy Spirit had warned Paul of that, really had been telling Paul that from the time of his conversion. And then it was through the churches we talked about last week as, as Paul was saying farewell to them that the Holy Spirit clarified and confirmed that on this trip to Jerusalem, Paul would indeed suffer, um, be bound and turned over to the Gentiles. And yet, as we saw Paul persisted. So this week, Paul arrives in Jerusalem um, when we pick up in verses uh, 15 and following. He arrives in Jerusalem. As soon as he gets there, uh, he connects with uh, the disciples in Jerusalem, and he heads to the temple. Now, what I'm going to do, because we have such a large amount of Scripture this week, is just tell you the story. If you have your Bible open, you can probably follow along with it. If not, and you haven't done so already, um, go back and read this, this story. It's, it's pretty amazing what God is doing. 
Um, so Paul is connected with the disciples, and Paul wants to go back to the temple, and he will. He does so according to the Jewish law. So when he first arrives for seven days, Paul goes through this purification process that was a part of the law before he could enter into the temple. So he goes through the process seven days. He goes into the temple to worship. And when he's in the temple, there are other Jews who have come from Asia. And they knew Paul was in Asia. And they were there when Paul was in Asia. So they knew everything that happened there. They see Paul in the temple and they begin to make accusations against him. They say that Paul has been teaching that um, the law isn't necessary and people don't need to follow the law. And, and even worse than that, they accuse Paul of taking a Gentile into the temple. And this enrages the Jews. So uh, they stir up the, the crowd of people into a frenzy. The crowd grabs Paul. They drag him out of the temple wanting to kill him. Uh, the Jewish tribune, which is some of the leaders there, they hear this uproar that's going on, and they rush to see what's happening. The, 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 the Roman soldiers come with them to try to keep peace. So they rush, they find what's going on, they intervene um, to prevent Paul from being killed, and they take him to a place, to some barracks, it's called, so that they can question him. The barracks that they are taking him to go upstairs and into an area. Um, and as they are going up the stairs and about to go in, Paul asked the tribune if he could speak to the people. And they say, yes, Paul can speak to the people. So he addresses his people, Luke notes, in their own language. Paul speaks to the crowd and he speaks to the tribune. And what he does is tells his own personal story. Now, in the big picture of the book of Acts, um, what we're seeing is how Paul gets from Jerusalem to Rome and how God is working in this to take Paul to Rome as he presses the gospel further and further out to the ends of the earth. Um, so let, let's look a little bit more closely at Paul's story and what he shares with the people who are there. Um, Paul's story sort of within this bigger story. Um, chapter 22, beginning in verse 1, uh, Paul giving his testimony. He says, Brothers and sisters, hear the defense that I now make known or now make before you. Uh, and when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way, talking about Christianity and the Christians. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from the heavens suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? 
And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for me to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Now as Paul was finishing this story, his story, the crowd erupts again, and they're calling for his life. And the reason that they are so angry is because Paul told them, you know, not just the story about Jesus, which was bad enough, but they were angered because Paul said that he was being sent to the Gentiles, sent away from them and sent to the Gentiles, and they despised the Gentiles. God would never send him to the Gentiles in their mind. So they erupt again. The officials intervene. They get Paul into the barracks where he can be questioned, and they threaten to flog him, to beat him. Um, this is when Paul announces his Roman citizenship. Now, Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? He was, he was a Jew through and through, but he was also a Roman citizen in that he was, he was born a citizen of a Roman city. So, so Paul would declare to them his citizenship. This was his way of appealing. You can't flog me as a Roman citizen without a trial. And so they said, we can't flog him. Uh, he has a right to appeal to Caesar. So this... This, this appeal to his Roman citizenship is how he would ultimately get to Rome. In the big picture of the book of Acts, this is God sovereignly working in those circumstances, moving Paul to Rome, Rome where he would share the truth of the gospel again. Now, here's what I want us to focus on this morning. That's the big picture of what we see going on. But here's where I want us to spend some time. Paul had opportunity to give any kind of defense that he wanted to give before the crowd. Paul could have given a theological defense. He could have even given a legal defense because legally he had followed the law. He had kept the law. He observed it, right? He went the seven days before going through purification so that he could go into the temple. He could have called witnesses who would have stood with him to say, no, Paul did not take a Gentile into, uh, into the temple, right? He could have legally defended himself. Theologically, this was the apostle Paul. 
He had memorized at least five, uh, the first five books of the Bible word for word. He could have gone through the scriptures and given a theological defense of his belief and, and pointed them from the Old Testament scriptures and prophecies to how Jesus fulfilled all of those prophecies. Paul could have done any of that, but instead what Paul did was simply share his testimony. He just shared his story. Here is how I give my defense. I met Jesus. And in short, here is what Jesus did, and here is how Jesus changed my life. Now, I want to talk about us and our stories, but before I get there, um, I want to look at and point you to one other thing in chapter 23, verse 11, and that is the reminder that we have that Paul's story was bigger than Paul's story. Right, Paul's story was much bigger than just Paul's story. The crowd wants to kill Paul. The council wants to tear Paul to pieces. The, the Romans have him bound and arrested. Um, they have to remove him from, from the crowds uh, to the barracks where he can be protected and guarded. And then verse 11 says this, The following night the, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage. For you, as, as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. God came and was letting Paul know that he had done well and, and that God was with him, but, but he was also letting Paul know that he wasn't done. That there was more for Paul to do. That this sharing of Paul's story was beautiful and good. And it was a part of God's plan. But there was more to God's plan. Paul would have to go to Rome and testify in Rome as well. Right? God, God telling Paul, you've done well, but you're not done. And you sharing your story, Paul, is bigger than just you sharing your story. This is all God reminding him. This is all a part of my sovereign plan to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. So Paul's story was bigger than Paul. Listen to me. So is yours. Your story is bigger than just your story. And I want you to remember that. We all have stories that need to be told. We all have stories that need to be told, every one of us. Now, we talk a lot at New City about being missionaries. It's an identity that's ours. When we become Christians, um, the Bible doesn't say, hey, some of you are missionaries. The Bible says we all are. And Jesus gave every disciple the same commission. As you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you um, always to the end of the age. Right? And so every believer after those first disciples receives that same commission generation after generation after generation. That is our commission. Paul calls us ambassadors for Christ in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5. He says, we have all been given the ministry of reconciliation. As God has reconciled us to himself in Christ, we are ministers of reconciliation, and we are to be begging and pleading with others to be reconciled to God in Christ as well. All of us are missionaries. Now, I know what happens when we talk about that. 
it, 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 there is a, a measure of fear that comes with it, right? Like we might can agree biblically that we are all supposed to be missionaries, but then we, we freak out about the fact that we are missionaries. And the truth is, statistically, most of us never talk to anybody about Jesus, even though we know this to be true, that he makes us all missionaries. See, oftentimes we think that when we talk about Jesus, everything has to be perfect. Like it has to be something special, the, the perfect time. Well, the timing just wasn't right to talk about Jesus. Or, or, or that we have to have some sort of perfectly planned speech. That we have to know the right verses of Scripture and their location. And we, we need to have them memorized and perfectly laid out, right? What we think that we have to, to be prepared to answer every question that somebody might pose. Uh, it, it's some of the most obscure questions in the world run through our mind that keep us in fear of talking about Jesus. In, in having all of the answers and having all of the verses and everything perfectly planned and laid out and, and waiting for just the right time for us it's like there is some some magic or or, or 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 spiritual work that is going to take place but it all depends on us that's our fear like it all depends on us we have to have all of these things in place and all of these things just right and that is not true it's a lie it's not true at all, and we see it here as Paul is sharing his story, and we see it again and again in the book of Acts. The disciples didn't crack open a systematic theology book and, de and debate the merits of their theology with the people that they talked to. Even when there were encounters that we read about in Acts, when, when, when Paul encountered the world's greatest philosophers, what he did was primarily tell a story. He, he told God's story of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. New City, you hear me tell that story all the time. Like, we should be familiar with that story. We should be able to tell that story. That's a simple story. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. That's what Paul talked about when he was with the greatest philosophers in the world. He shared God's story. He shares his own story. So do the other disciples and how they are a part of God's story and how ultimately all of it points to Jesus. We have stories. We, we, we all have stories. Our lives are really a series of one story after another story. There are happy stories and, and sad stories and scary stories, stories that are, that are, that are ups, highs, and, and down to terrible, terrible lows. That's the case for every one of us this morning. Every believer has stories. In fact, the truth is every person who is has stories, and they are very similar stories. As Christians, the, the difference is that our stories aren't just our stories. Our stories are like Paul's story, a part of, of God's story. That, that's the difference between us and them. Our stories are filled with grace and mercy and God's provision. Our stories should reflect the beautiful news of the gospel. Our stories are, are painted by a father who loves us dearly, who, who cares about us greatly. And, and our story has a hero. And listen to me, you are not the hero of your story. If you are, you're telling the wrong story. Jesus is the hero of our story. The same as Paul's story. 
Listen, our, our failures won't end in failure because Jesus is fixing even our worst days. Amen? And, and even, even if he doesn't fix them in the here and now like we wanted them to be, even when our dreams don't come true, we, we, we know that he is at work and we, we know that because he is faithful. We, we know that even if it doesn't happen now, he is coming back. And when he comes back, he will fix all of the brokenness, all of the brokenness around us and all of our brokenness. We know that it's true because he is faithful and true. Our sadness will one day be turned to joy, to laughter, and even to dancing. The reality, the reality is, right, while that's true in our failures, it's true as well in in our successes. Even in our successes here and now, we are not the hero. In our successes here and now, he is still the hero. We have success, whatever we deem that to be, because we have a father who loves us and cares for us, a father who helps us and pours out his blessings on us. Every ability that we have, every talent that we have, every breath that we take is a sweet and precious gift from our father. We have stories to tell. We have stories that are shaded and tinted in the gospel, and our stories need to be told. And it's not just stories of how we came to know Jesus, although that is a beautiful story, and you have that story to tell. But, 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 but even more than that, we have stories to tell about how he's been a part of our life since that day. But we have stories of doubt. We have stories of doubt. I, I I once had a, 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 a very bright, hard-working young man, husband, and dad come into my office, and I knew that this guy had been struggling, and he came in, and he sat down, and he said, I, I don't know if I believe all this. Like, that's a great way to get it started, right? I, I don't know if I, if I really believe all this. I don't know if I believe that Christianity is real or true. The truth is, I've had this conversation with, with, with numerous people throughout the year. Have you ever felt that way? I have. I, I have felt that way. And, and, and when, this, when this guy shared his doubt with me, I remembered. I remembered my own struggle. I remembered my own doubts. I, I, I remember doubting all, all that I had once believed. And, and, and I didn't have a fix-it for him as we're sitting in the office, right? Oftentimes, we just want to fix somebody's problem and give them the, the magic word or the one thing that makes him feel better. I didn't have that. I, I had no magic word to erase his doubt or convince him. What I did have was my story. I, I had that, so I, so I shared it. I shared it because I wanted him to know that he was not alone in his doubt. I wanted him to know that I had doubts too. I wanted him to know that there were a lot of people around him who had doubts. I wanted him to know that I had been there. And, and then, then I wanted him to know that, that what he needed to do was not to, to sit in his doubt, to rest in his doubt, but to seek. He, he didn't need to be lazy. He needed to seek I shared with him how when I was in school, I went back to school later in life and, and was learning theology and, and learning to ultimately become a pastor. I was in a similar place. And I suddenly found myself doubting everything that I had been told I should believe. 
and I almost dropped out of school just so that I could dig deeper and seek and, and try to find an end to my doubt. Hebrews eleven six says that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And so even in my doubt, I just took God at his word. I said, okay, here's what the Bible says. If you're a rewarder of those who seek, I am going to seek. And we'll find out if this is real or not real. And I sought. I wasn't lazy. I didn't, I didn't wallow in my doubt. I sought. And in the end, he met me there. In the end, in the midst of my doubt, God met me there. And he didn't meet me there with, with every answer. But he met me there with the assurance that he was with me. And that I was no fool for seeking him. I encourage that guy, just like I do all doubters, seek him. Seek him. Don't fear, but don't be lazy. Seek him. God is a rewarder of those who seek him. If you're here today and, and you are a doubter, listen, that is, that is my story. I would be glad to share more with you. I would be glad to talk more with you about it, to listen to you. The end of my seeking ultimately was a deeper, stronger, more sure faith, more than I had ever had before. And the truth is, I am here today as a pastor because of that doubt. That is the truth. We have stories, all of us. We have stories of doubt. We have stories of suffering. Listen, people all around us, if we're not suffering right now, we will be. And if we're not suffering right now, there are people all around us who are suffering. They feel alone. They feel often abandoned by God. And at some point in their suffering, they may, they may need to hear your story of suffering. They, they may need to hear your story so that they don't feel alone and betrayed in their suffering. At some point, they may need to hear how in the midst of your suffering, you found courage and hope. Courage and hope in Jesus. Courage and hope in his promises. Maybe they need to hear how Jesus spoke to you in your time of trouble. I've shared with you guys in the past, it's been a while now, so some of you may not have heard this story. Um, while we were in school, while I was in school, uh, Amy had cervical cancer. And we, we lost a, a hope of having more children. Um, the months and months of months uh, of, of infertility that we went through before finally conceding to a hysterectomy for her. Um, I, I have shared before, I share with you again, uh, that in the midst of that pain, I did not see God. I, I was angry with God. I was bitter with God. I felt betrayed by God, and I felt completely alone, like God had turned his back on me, and I told him so. And then he began to speak, to speak to me through other people, to speak to me through his word, to speak to me through songs. He began to speak, and he began to remind me that he was working all things together for good for me and for my family, that even in the midst of this suffering where I had no clue what God was doing or how it could possibly work out for any good, I was reminded again and again, I am working all things together for good. And the passage that the psalmist wrote, it came to life for me, God saying, call upon me in your time of trouble and I will rescue you. 
and you will glorify me. And so I called out again and again and again, rescue me. And God gave us sons through this that we would otherwise never have. God was working all things together for good. All suffering doesn't work out that way where we can look back and say, oh, I see, I get it. This is what God was doing. It was good. We lost Amy's dad way too early in his life to cancer. We watched him struggle and, and fight. I mean, fight through times when the doctor said he had absolutely no hope. And he just kept going and kept going. We watched him struggle and fight. And we watched him seemingly lose. Seemingly. Seemingly. I say seemingly because I know that he has not lost. And, and, and I was reminded then and I am reminded now that while we mourn, we don't mourn like those without Jesus. Because one day Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, we will not only see Jesus face to face, but we'll see Amy's dad again. And we have... We have that hope because of Jesus. People need to hear that story. Stories of his amazing provision. Some of you know what it's like to have little, to not know how you're going to pay your bills. And I don't mean it's because you've run up a lot of things and you have a lot of bills. I mean because you don't have any money. <laughs> You don't know how you're going to pay your bills. I've told you this story, but when we, were, when, when we lived in Birmingham and I was back in school, I drove an old, old Jeep, Jeep Cherokee, and um, the gas mileage was horrible in this car. And one day, so I was going to school full-time, I was working part-time, we lived well below the poverty line. And one day, I, I had been at school, and I would leave school, and I would go to work, and then I'd go back to school, and then I'd go back to work, and then I would come home, study all night, start over the next day. That was my life. And I'm driving home. I'm driving home at the end of an incredibly long day, and the, the light comes on saying I'm out of gas. Listen, when the light came on in the Jeep, it really meant you were out of gas. I can go another day in my car now. Not so in the Jeep. I needed gas, and we had no money. And, and man, when that light came on and I was driving 30 minutes back home, um, I, I cried out to God. I, 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 just, I, did, I didn't know what else to do. I was overwhelmed with feelings of inadequacies. Inadequacy as a, as a father, as a husband, as a provider, inadequate in every way. In tears, crying out, that God would, would multiply the gas fumes that were in my, in my Jeep. Days before my gas light came on, days before, there was a group of, and I, I intentionally describe it this way so that you can picture it, there was a group of, of I, I don't know, eight or ten little old ladies, and they gathered together as the Women's Missionary Union at Tabernacle Baptist Church, and they prayed for missionaries every single week. And they prayed for us. And when I got home that day, there was a check in the mailbox for $25. It still overwhelms me. As many times as I've told this story. It, it might as well have been $1,000 that day when I got home and found a check in the mail for $25. But, but, but before my light ever came on, God was making plans. 
God was stirring in the hearts of other people to provide for my needs. Isn't that amazing? Man, he is so good. And listen, here's the, here's the thing. He's just faithful to his promises. He's just faithful to his promises. I've seen broken marriages healed and made beautiful. I, I have seen people physically, miraculously healed beyond any other description that a doctor could give. My own mother graciously healed in the last year. Report after report came back that her back was eat up with cancer from top to bottom. And I know a lot of you guys prayed. And we prayed. And our elders, our elders went and we laid hands on mom and we anointed her with oil and we prayed with the family. And when she went back to the doctor and they did more tests, no cancer. And they did another x-ray and nothing showed up on, that, on the x-ray. They did an MRI. Nothing showed up on the MRI. It's a miracle of God's grace. This church, and you guys have no idea, if you haven't been here for very long, you have no idea what a miracle it is that we're here. This is the grace of God. How, how he has, has worked and the things that he has done despite me. And me, I, I am... I am a, a pastor, and I, I stand before you proclaiming the good news that, that God has given us all that we need for forgiveness, that God has given us all we need for salvation, all of that in Jesus, that Jesus forgives sin and forgives sinners and, and makes sinners sons and daughters of God. That, that's me, the worst of sinners. I, I mean, are you kidding me? You guys don't know who I was. This morning, um, in the first service, I was surprised by a, a, an old friend who just showed up with his wife for church this morning. We were friends from eighth grade on, still friends now. I told him not to introduce himself to anybody because I did not want those stories told. But he came to me weeping at the end of the service because, because he knows. He knows who I am. And yet God pursued me. Me, personally. He, he loved me in my mess and he sent his son to rescue me. The sins he has forgiven in my life. And I, I, I stand here in front of you. You, also a gift of God's grace. Listen, don't tell anybody that I said this, but I think you're probably the best church in all of middle Georgia. And I see, I see his hand in, in your lives, and I am, I am blown away. And I'm blown away when I, when I look at the work that God has done and is doing here. I, I am blown away because I know well enough to know that I, I could never do this. This is the gracious work of a mighty, loving, kind, and merciful God. And I just get to be a part of it. Jesus saves sinners like me. 
And then he does the craziest things through us. That is amazing grace. Your life is a series of stories similar to mine. Your life is a series of stories filled with grace and mercy, with forgiveness, and with the abundant provision of God. You you have stories of God rescuing you. You have stories of God taking care of you. Stories of what He has done for you as His child. His child because of Jesus. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. There are people who need to hear your stories. They need to hear your stories, not not with you as the hero. Listen, if you are the hero of your story, again, this this is the wrong story. Jesus is the hero. They need to hear how he saved you and how he continues to save you. Not how you got your life together, but what a miserable wretch you really are. They need to hear the hope that you have now, now and, and, and forevermore because your king is risen. They need to know the Jesus of your story, your story. We don't, we don't see it all here. We see some of it. We see it in other places in the book of Acts for sure. When Paul shares his story, just his story or, or God's story, it, it, it is true that some become offended. I mean, these people wanted to tear Paul to pieces. They were offended by his story. But listen to me, it is, it is equally true that every time Paul shared his story, some heard and believed. As Paul lifted up Jesus in those stories, the Holy Spirit moved to convict and bring people to belief. Listen to me, family. He can do the same through your stories. He can do the same as you lift Jesus up. Tell your stories and let the Holy Spirit do the work. So let me wrap up this morning. What, what do we do in, in light of this? What do we do with this story and with our stories? I'll do this, say this quickly. First of all, believe and be encouraged. I I hope that you are encouraged this morning by just a few of my stories. I hope that you are encouraged not by me, but by the goodness and the grace of God as you are reminded of who he is and what he's done. Not, Not just for me, but for you. Especially what he's done for us in Jesus I hope you are encouraged as you, as, you, as you think about my hero, Jesus. I hope you are encouraged to see him as your hero. Unbeliever, if you're here today as an unbeliever, I, I hope that you are moved to truly believe the good news of the gospel. To, to believe the, the good news of Jesus. If, if you want to talk more about that, let's talk after the service. We'll have a prayer team that's going to come forward. They would love to talk with you as well. But today, believe. Believe the good news of the gospel. And, and if you're here today as a believer, believe the good news of the gospel as well. I hope that you are encouraged not just by, by, by his faithfulness and his goodness to me, but, but, but by his faithfulness and his goodness to you. I hope you're reminded of how, how, how he is the hero of your stories as well. 
And then let's do this. Take time to think through those stories of your life even more. Like, don't just leave here and say, that was, that was a neat day, right? Leave here and think about the stories of, of your life. Remember, remember what you have been through. Remember what others around you have been through and, and how God was with you in those stories. How he provided, how he encouraged, how he strengthened, how he made a way. How every promise that he made to you has been and is being fulfilled as, as yes and amen in and through Jesus. All of the promises of God find their yes in him. It is true. And your life bears witness to it. Third, I would say pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would help you see those stories in your own life. And see like Paul's story. These stories are not just meant for you to file away. These stories are bigger than you. They are bigger than than you. Pray that God would find a way for, for you to not only remember the story, but a way for you to share that story for the good of others. Pray for an opportunity to tell others about his goodness and his grace to you. And then finally, tell them. Tell them. Tell them the stories of God's goodness to you. Point them to, to his son who made you a, a, a child of the most high God. Tell them how he is with you in, in, in good days or in bad days. Tell them how, how Jesus sent the Holy Spirit who is your comforter in those bad days. Who is your encourager when you need it? Tell them. Tell the stories of, of how he's cared for you and provided for you. Tell them in your MC. Of all the places, celebrate how good God is to you by, by, by telling those stories in your missional community. Tell them to your co-workers uh, on the job. Tell them every chance that God gives you. Tell your story and who knows what his spirit might do. Listen to me. It's, it's too simple and too good, but, it, but it's true. These are the stories that change the world. Tell your story. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness this morning. Thank you for a week of remembering good times, hard times, bad times. Just how good and gracious that you've been to me in my life. You are amazing. I pray, Holy Spirit, that, that we would leave today encouraged by how good you've been to us in our lives. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, you would remind us again and again and again of the, the countless stories that, that we have to share. And then I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would would encourage us, that you would convict us, that you would give us the courage to share our story. And then work. Work, Holy Spirit, as only you can. Work in these stories to encourage believers and to make unbelievers believe. Do that for the good of your people and for your great glory. In Jesus' name, amen.